We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The show today is brought to you by Window Nation. If you're in the market for new windows, if you need new windows, if you're looking to save big on your energy bills this winter and then next summer, choose Window Nation. I promise you it will work out for you. It has for every single person I know, listeners, friends, family members, and me. Call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. You'll save 50% off all style windows right now. You can get a house full of windows for just $99 a month. Free estimate, no risk. You can do with that estimate what you choose. Shop it if you want. Call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. You'll get the best product for the best price, and you will work with the best people. Uh, Tommy's here. It is a weird Tuesday, don't you think? I mean, there were two NFL games. Very weird. Yesterday, there are two tonight, and Washington is one of them. And I honestly don't know what to think about this game right now. We are recording the podcast at 1045. Ron Rivera on the Junkies this morning, because he goes on their show on Tuesdays, comes on with me on 980 on Fridays, said that Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen did not make the trip to Philadelphia, but that really doesn't mean anything. Um, I talked to somebody this morning that said until they test negative and they test out of COVID, they have to be at the facility to test. They can't go to Philadelphia and test. And because it's such a short trip, they'll jump on a jet if they test negative or if they test out of the COVID protocol, um, and they'll be at the game in plenty of time. The team has until 4 p.m. today to put – um, one, both, or neither on the active roster. And then they still could be deemed inactive before kickoff. Um, but uh, we will know, I guess, for sure by 4 o'clock today. But it's a weird game, don't you think, to to even think about because of the quarterback situation for Washington? You know, it is a weird game, but it seems like the kind of game, kind of event you'd have around holiday season where things are just – a little bit unusual, you know. Unusual stuff happens. You're, you're not in your typical schedule. Now, usually it's after Christmas. It's not before Christmas. It's that time between Christmas and New Year's. You know, a lot of people are not in their typical schedule. Uh, so in, in some ways it feels like that. Uh, it's a Christmas present if you're an NFL fan. I'm not sure if it's a Christmas present if you're a Washington football fan. 
Do you think they can win the game tonight with Garrett Gilbert? No. Um, no, but this is, this is, I mean, Ron Rivera, he's going to go full biblical on this one. This is David versus Goliath times 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is definitely a David uh, versus Goliath situation. This is Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. Yes, this going is. Going into it without really knowing um, anything about Buster Douglas. Maybe you know, Garrett this Gilbert. Is, yeah. This is, this is, to a Philly theme, this is Rocky versus Apollo Creed. Yeah, for, number yes, one. it is. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this this is it's 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 a weird situation. It's also after what happened on Sunday night and then what happened last night, this the Saints beating the Buccaneers, the Vikings beating the Bears, which I will get to. I saw all of your tweets about Kirk Cousins and I do have Got it. That's entertaining. You know, when he plays great and he loses, I can't I can't wait to see what people say. And when he plays not so great and they win, it's just hysterical. But anyway, <laughs> um, the Vikings winning last night really does kind of make my 8-9 and nine long shot not even a reality anymore. Um, nine and eight, I still feel pretty good about nine and eight with Washington's conference record if they can win three out of the final four. Um, so I still think three out of final four for them likely does it, although just so you know, they'd need to be in a three-team tiebreak, not in a two-team tiebreak with New Orleans. But I, with that said, tonight's game it's not a mathematical elimination game, but it's going to feel like an elimination game for the team that loses. I, I, I do think that because then they got to turn around, right, and play a game on Sunday. In Washington's case, if they lose at Dallas, and they're, all, they're a game behind the team they lose to tonight, and they're a game behind now three different teams for one spot, it'll feel like an elimination game, but there are three weeks left, and that would be a shame if they go into this game and have to play Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. It really would. I mean, it's really, you know, I mean, the whole COVID world is unfair, and there are there are bigger issues than the fairness of the Washington football team's game against the Eagles, but it really seems unfair that they'll have to do battle with the Eagles with the depleted roster they have, especially if they can't put at least one of their quarterbacks out there that they can trust. So that leads to my next question for you, because it was my poll question today, and I did it just to kind of troll some of the people out there that just absolutely um, believe that Taylor Heineke is the absolute guaranteed lock to be the quarterback of the of the next five to ten years. And and I look, I'm not, I'm not being condescending towards Taylor Heineke. I think he's done a phenomenal job this year. I think he's proved a lot. But I asked the question on Twitter, if you can have just one for tonight against the Eagles, would you want Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen? Now, you're not a fan of the team, so I always find it, you know, um, you know, it's a little bit more complicated for you, but you're also super objective, so who do you think Washington should want to quarterback the team tonight against Philadelphia? If only one came off the COVID list, who would you want it to be? If I was a fan, I'd want to see Kyle Allen. Because I've seen enough of Taylor Heineke. 
I mean, I can come to a conclusion about Taylor Heineke right now. My conclusion is he's worth a look. He's, he's in the mix for the future, but that shouldn't stop you if you have a chance to, to step up in that quarterback position. Kyle Allen is kind of an unknown. We almost forgot the brief uh, time that he played last year. I want to see what Kyle Allen can do. Really? I'm very surprised yeah. at your answer. I mean, you just, you know, you seem to go from no opinion to, wow, I am open now to this guy being the starter long term. And I'm, you, didn't, you didn't come to that conclusion. I'm not saying that you declared that. But I would think that you'd want to see this guy in another big spot coming off a COVID list, you know, uh, perform some magic. I want to see what Kyle Allen could do. Remember, you know, uh, when Kyle Allen came in, in 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 the in the when was the game that he came in? When did Kyle Allen come? He in? came in last year during the uh, no 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 this this year last like week recently, against the Cowboys. Okay, against that. Yeah, it's a long and, time ago. And uh, who's the tight end? Uh, Greg Olson was doing the uh, analysis. Yeah, he basically said that all the leadership qualities that Taylor Heineke has. Kyle Allen has the same thing. Yeah, you 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 picked up on that. I I I heard that too. I heard even more. I heard, uh, you know, Greg Olson basically imply that there's not much difference except for arm talent, which Kyle yeah. Allen has more of. Yeah, and he played with both of them in Carolina, so he knows them. So. He also played with Garrett Gilbert in Carolina because that's why Garrett Gilbert is here. <laughs> he was with. Uh, he was with. Ron and Scott for um, a brief moment in Carolina and apparently knows the system. And the reason that it became day one Garrett Gilbert's job if the game had been Sunday with no Kyle uh, Allen or Taylor Heineke and not Kyle Shermer is they just obviously feel like Garrett Gilbert's much more equipped to start an NFL game that they need to win in this offense, even though Kyle Shermer's been on the practice squad for much of the year, I think. So, you know, Gilbert had the start last year for the Cowboys against the Steelers. They had a 10-point lead. He didn't play poorly. Um, I, I don't – it's funny about your answer. So, on on one level, I actually would love to see Kyle Allen in this spot. You know, it, it would suck that he didn't have a full week of practice leading up to it because yeah. he hasn't practiced. Um, and he hasn't taken first-team reps at any point this year. You know, that's something to, you know, that's take true. note of. So I think my preference in terms of being able to win the game would be Taylor Heineke. Well, I mean, not just for the reasons that Kyle Allen hasn't taken any practice this week or hasn't taken a first-team rep this year. Heineke kind of got him to this point where this game means something. Yeah. Not not by himself. I, I agree. And, I agree. And he has shown that in these big moments, like the playoff game last year, he can play pretty well. I think the intrigue for me on Allen would be to see how he would perform in one of these games because he has not had the opportunity in one of these games. Taylor Heineke had the opportunity last year in a playoff game, you know, off the street. And it would almost be the equivalent of Kyle Allen coming in here and starting tonight in a big pl- in a playoff stakes game tonight for Washington. Although I think Heineke, I think we did learn that Heineke got most of the first team reps leading up to that Philadelphia game. It wasn't reported. We all thought that Allen would have a chance, and they uh, not Allen, that um, 
that Alex Smith would have a chance, and we they wanted to lead the Eagles to believe that Alex Smith could still start. I'm not talking I'm, uh, the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, excuse me, the Buccaneers that Alex Smith could still start, but Heineke was getting first team reps. But I think Allen in a pressure spot. I'd like to see how he would perform. I know that Taylor Heineke isn't going to soil himself in a pressure spot. We've learned that already. But, I mean, unless you really think, unless you're convinced and buying into uh, the playoff scenario, even if they win, and it's not unreasonable, okay, but, you know, there's the value of it. I really, as a fan, would rather seek what Kyle, I'd rather see what, what we have in Kyle Allen as well. Well, to me, the number what drives this answer is who gives you the best chance to win a game that you have to win. I'm not worried about you know checking Kyle Allen out to see whether or not maybe he's got something for next year. I want them to win the game, which is why, let me be clear, my choice would be Taylor Heineke if I had to go with one or the other. I'm just agreeing with you that if it ended up being Kyle Allen, it would be I, I'd be intrigued to see how he handled the pressure spot because we already know that Taylor Heineke doesn't shrink from pressure. It's why I think he'll be a really good backup in this league because he's never going to be worried about coming in at any point and slinging it around and running around and trying to make plays. Now, the other part of this, just so I'm really clear on this, I honestly don't know if there would be that much of a difference. I think I I prefer Heineke because he deserves it. He's been a big part of getting him to this spot. He's taken all the first-team reps. He's played with all the first-team players. Uh, But I, I don't know that it's like a massive difference between the two in terms of one or the other giving him a better chance to win the game. I would say Heineke would give him a slightly better chance. But it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, we're done if Kyle Allen has yeah. to start. I will kind of feel that way if Garrett Gilbert has to start, but I also don't yeah. know enough about Garrett Gilbert. You know, the Eagles, remember when McNabb got a hurt hurt a couple of those years and guys like A.J. Feely came in and played pretty and well Ty, at times? Ty Detmer. Ty yeah. Detmer. Um, yeah, I remember that. So, that uh, was, yeah, that was, that, was, that was Andy Reid coach teams. <laughs> Fair point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, not to disparage Ron Rivera, but he's not—he's not Andy Reid. No. no uh, not offensively. Look, no. The Eagles. The Eagles are getting Jared Hurt back, right? Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Jalen Hurts back. Yeah. I'm getting getting my hurt. See, the H is mixed up. It's okay. Uh, and uh, the Eagles have everything to play for too. Well, yeah. You know, so I mean, I just—I don't see. Uh, absent uh, one of their one of those two quarterbacks, I think Washington has zero chance. No oh, chance. I thought going into this full strength versus full strength that the Eagles might be the better team anyway. You know, yes. I, I, I've you know how I felt about Philadelphia for much of this year. I just didn't think that they sucked. You know, in a division where for a while it looked like Dallas was going to be the only decent team. I didn't think, out of the three, when everybody was struggling, Philadelphia was the team that I didn't think sucked. I thought Washington was bad at one point this year. Um, the Giants I wasn't really sure sure of. I thought Philadelphia looked good in some games that they lost. 
you know, and they 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 won a couple of games, and then they got on a roll. They won, they've won four out of their last six, and the two they lost were close games. They can really run the football, and I'll I'll go through you know a couple of keys to pulling off you know the win tonight. You know, understanding that we don't know as we're recording this who the quarterback is, but right. I thought you know full strength against full strength. I really think Philadelphia is a slightly better team anyway. I don't think most people think that. I don't think our fan base. Oh, I thinks think that. I, I I think that. So, if one of these quarterbacks clears by four o'clock, I'm assuming they'll fly on one of Dan Snyder's private jets. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's a thirty-minute okay. flight. Yeah. Does, yep. does Snyder still have the Vegas uh, uh, jet from uh, 2009, or did he upgrade? Do you know? I, I have no idea who will be on that plane. <laughs> I think it'd be best if he were not on that plane. I yes, know. I think so. I think so. You know, um, but uh, look, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of there's there's going to be a lot of intrigue and curiosity, no matter what happens tonight. Because if it's Allen or Taylor Heineke, it'll be like you know, like like the natural, you know, like Robert Redford get, coming out of his hospital room, you know, hospital bed to uh, play the big championship game. Uh, now, all we're talking about are are some mild COVID symptoms. If even if they are, we don't even know if they have any symptoms. They may be asymptomatic. We don't even know that. We just know that that they tested positive, right? Yeah, we just know that um, out of the twenty five that were there on Friday, twenty three of them were asymptomatic, and the other two had very mild okay. symptoms. In fact, I want to say. I'm looking for it right now. I think it was Pelissaro, um, there of the 500 players, something like 500 players in the last week. Um, here it is. Since the start of last week, not 500, since the start of last week, 213 NFL players have tested positive for COVID-19. That's nearly 10% of the league. Roughly two-thirds are asymptomatic, while the rest have mild symptoms per the NFL. <clears throat> So it's not exactly Robert Redford uh, climbing out of his hospital bed. But there will be a sort of, you know, the guy flying in at the last minute, which they will be. They'll be flying in at the last minute. There'll be a lot of intrigue about this game. (laughs) Here comes the plane. Yes. Here comes the the Uber ride. Um... If I was a camera crew, Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd follow them from the airport to the stadium. You know, The Natural was on the other day. It's my favorite all-time baseball movie. It's 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 close to my favorite. I like Bull Durham better. I love Bull I, I love Bull Durham too. But there's something about the performances in that. The, in the there's a mystique and a magic to it that's so great. And Redford's great. And and you know, I mean. Wilford Brimley. Brimley's Wilford Brimley's great. great. I mean, you got Kim Basinger in the, that movie. You've got Glenn Close in that movie. You've got um, what's her face? Um, uh, ugh, you know from Hoosiers. Why am I blanking? Bar- Who- what? Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Thank you. Okay. Jesus. Okay. Um, All star cast. Barbara Hershey was in. Yeah. Barbara Hershey was in Hoosiers. You know, with with Duvall, yes. yeah, yes. Um, no, Duvall wasn't in Hoosiers. Uh, not not Duvall. I'm uh, with um, yeah, with, with Gene Hackman. With Gene Hackman, yeah. Yeah, Duvall was in the Natural. D- Duvall so. was in the Natural, playing the playing the yeah. reporter, P- 
playing. And Barry um, Levinson was the director. Ma- Max Marcy or whatever the dude's name was. Uh, yeah. In that. They always um, make reporters look so so I know. so good in, in in these things, don't they? Oh uh, well, I mean, wh- like, like they're, they're always weasels. Espe- yeah, well, especially from way back in the day, you know they make they make it look like such a it's such an important position. You know the the columnist for the Chicago Tribune is Max Marcy or whatever <laughs> the dude's name was, and my God, is he he's he's a star in his own right? Yeah. You would have been perfect yep. for back then. <laughs> I know. I really would have been. Yeah. Would have um, been my time. All right. Uh anyway. What was uh what was I gonna say? Um I, I for those that missed it yesterday, the news was that Brandon Sheriff was added to the COVID list. So I'm assuming that he will not be available for tonight's game. And that's a big miss. You know, the Sheriff, when he's been in there and, you know, he's missed a lot of games during the course of his career here in Washington, which I think means that he's probably playing his last, you know, four, maybe just last three when he comes off this list. I mean, then they had seven assistant coaches go to the list too. So, um, thankfully, at this point, knock on wood, Ron Rivera has not gotten COVID because... Yes, thank you know, goodness for that. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, as I, I, I talked to him briefly last week about this and, you know, boosted, you know, vaccinated, boosted, he feels pretty confident that he's fine. Um, but he's taking precautions, you know, wearing masks inside, et cetera, you know, to the extent um, that... Uh, that it's convenient for him, I guess, when he's around around large crowds. Anyway, um, I do have some keys to a win. You will both make predictions, but really this is a hard game to predict. We'll do that coming up. I did want to mention the two games yesterday. First of all, that Cleveland-Oakland game, a Cleveland-Vegas game, was really a good football game. I know that, you know, it wasn't high scoring, and, you know, the, the, it was boring probably to some. I really enjoyed watching Nick Mullins play. And Nick Mullins, you know, has had a career in which he played in San Francisco for three years for Kyle Shanahan. And to me, if you can play for Kyle Shanahan or Mike or anybody with the last name Shanahan, there's probably something to you that, you know, there's some sort of redeeming football or or some other characteristic to you. And Mullins has had some games. Now, he was the guy that quarterbacked against Washington last year, if you recall, after Washington played Pittsburgh, and Chase Young had yeah. that really good game. And, you know, all offseason we talked about the quarterbacks that Washington's defense beat up on. You know, Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley and Nick Mullins and Nate you know, Sudfeld at the end. And Mullins didn't have a very good game against Washington. I thought that last night watching him, you know what I thought of and who I thought of? Who? I'm like, that's Taylor Heineke out there. That's who Nick Mullins is. It's exactly who he reminds me of. They play identically. They're gamers. They are creators. They extend plays. They can make plays. They're not, you know, elite at anything in the traditional quarterbacking sense. But you can tell that he's smart. You can tell that he's unafraid of the moment. 
Um, and I would say that Taylor's a better athlete than Nick Mullins, but Mullins just went out there and down 10 nothing, engineered two drives, had a couple of fourth down conversions. They took the lead 14-13 late in that game. And I'm just saying, this dude, this is this is Taylor Heineke, Nick Mullins. And a guy like Nick Mullins is going to be on a roster for a long period of time because you're not afraid to put him in the game if you have to and you don't have many other choices. You'd prefer somebody like that. I was really rooting for Cleveland to win the game. I didn't bet the game. But, man, those fans in Cleveland. Yes, absolutely. The way that came through the TV, oh, the Cleveland fans. And we're talking about a franchise that lost their team, right? And then got a new team, a, fr- a, a a town that hasn't never seen a Super Bowl, never, not one. And they were close. And, th- <laughs> and those fans fill that place as if it's the most important thing in their life. They are such great fans, the Browns fans, and they've been through so much. I mean, their organization has been, you know, the train wreck that our organization has been like, but they don't have the Super Bowl history. They do have a championship history, you know. 1964 was the last time they won a championship in the Brown era. And in the 50s, uh, under Paul Brown, they were a dominant team with Otto Graham as the quarterback. Right, but during you know the era that counts, the era that Sheehan remembers and has lived through, the post-merger era, they have not. Right. They're one of the few no. teams to never have gone to a Super Bowl, and they were so close. You know, Elway with the drive beat them in Cleveland in '86, and then in '87, Ernest Spiner with the fumble, and Denver got to two Super Bowls that Cleveland was certainly on the verge of going to both times. By the way, with Marty Schottenheimer as their head coach. And yet those fans are so into it. They lost their team. Their owner moved them to Baltimore. Um, they got an expansion team. Uh, and this was the year. You know, they they got to the playoffs last year. They won a playoff game against their arch rivals. And they they had Kansas City in trouble in that divisional game when Mahomes, you know, got hurt and and went out. But um, it's been a rough year. I don't think they've got the quarterback thing figured out. That's my personal opinion on the quarterback thing. I'm I'm not a big Mayfield guy at all. But this was supposed to be a championship contending year, you know, or a, a year that they would be right there with Buffalo pushing, you know, Kansas City. And I wanted them to win that game because if they had won the game, they would have been in decent shape to make the playoffs. And now they more likely than not will miss the postseason. They could still get there if they run the table because they have the Packers on Christmas Day and then they've got the Steelers and Bengals. So they would have a chance um, if they could uh, run the table. Um, But uh, that was a really – 16-14, I understand, you know. By the way, a lot of people yesterday – including one of my boys, uh, would you trade for Derek Carr? Because he showed me some tweet where people were saying, would you trade two first-rounders for Derek Carr? Oh, my God. Please. What? Absolutely not. So I've never been a Derek Carr fan. 
I thought he played much better last year. And I think at times this year, on a really difficult year for the Raiders, I mean, let's be let's be honest, they lost their head coach. They lost their yeah. biggest speed threat at wide receiver. You know, at one point they were 5-2, and two, I think, this year. I do like Derek Carr, and there are quarterbacks that I'd give up multiple, multiple first-rounders for. I don't think I would do it for Derek Carr. He would be an, I absolutely would not. He would certainly be an upgrade over what they have right now. Um, but there's just something about him. And he engineered the drive last night, and they are technically still alive as well because they have some games in which if they win like they did yesterday, they've got the Broncos, Colts, and Chargers. They're not just improving their record. They are, you know, hurting teams that they're in competition with for a wild card spot. Like if the Raiders won out, they'd probably be in the postseason at 10-7. and seven. I just don't think they're very good. Um, no. But uh, anyway. Um, are, you, you're, are you a Nick Chubb fan? Got to be a oh, Nick Chubb fan. I love Nick Chubb. That guy, I, yeah, I loved him. I I loved him. Talk about out. yards after contact. Yeah, they also, you know, it's the Stefanski, you know, it's just, it's the Shanahan, it's the Kubiak, Stefanski, Shanahan, you know, zone run scheme, and Chubb is just perfect for it. And you know, it's like it's amazing to watch. You know, the Forty ers run the football. It's amazing to watch when Chubb is healthy. The Browns' ability at times to run the football. It's like they may get two, they might get three, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's a quick one for nineteen, yeah. you know, or twenty-two or whatever. And I thought Chubb really got it going at the end of that game. And then there was the game last night, a chippy game, a rivalry game, an intense game, a bad game. I mean, horrendous to watch. The Vikings won it 17 to 9. They are 7 and 7. They're still alive in the NFC wildcard race. They're currently the 7 seed in the NFC, but they've got, you know, a tough schedule coming up. But um as, you know, is very typical of any game involving Kirk Cousins, especially those on national TV where everybody gets to watch him, uh, the reaction is amazing. And with me, because I've been a Kirk Cousins fan, uh, a little bit distorted by many of you, um, I've never said he was elite. Uh, I've never said he was a great quarterback. I've always said he's a good quarterback, at times very good. Uh, and you can win big with Kirk if you put a good team around him. It's always been my belief, and I think and I wish he were still our quarterback with either Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. But beyond that, what's always amazing to me is that when he puts up enormous statistical numbers and loses, you guys rip him. I'm talking about the people that uh, get after me on Twitter um, during the Kirk Cousins stuff. You rip him when he has a big game. He could throw for 364 touchdowns, drive him into field goal range, down two at the end of the game, and have the kicker shank one, and they lose by two. And, oh my God, Kirk Cousins is such a loser. And then last night, he had the worst statistical game of his career, but they won the game, and you still rip him. There's no winning in the Kirk Cousins conversation if you're pro-Kirk Cousins. To be honest with you, I don't think there's much of a win if you're anti-Kirk Cousins because most of you you know, make up stuff about what he's been um, and what he hasn't been. What is true consistently is he's never been on a really, really good team led by him. 
a team that wins 11, 12, 13 games, wins a couple of playoff games, and is a legitimate Super Bowl threat. And until he's a part of one of those kinds of teams, which some of you would say will never happen, um, then there's always going to be this debate about him. He had a bad game last night. They actually had a bad game overall offensively last night. Their offensive line was shredded by Chicago's front four. But because Chicago had all these DBs out and because Minnesota's been a prolific offensive team for much of the year, people were expecting a massive night for Cousins, you know, a stat-piling night from Cousins, and he didn't give it to him. In part because Mike Zimmer played very conservatively last night because they realized the Bears weren't going to be able to put up the 17 that Minnesota had already put up. But anyway, um, I don't know, Tommy. It's weird. Like I, there, there aren't five players in the league more polarizing than Kirk Cousins. Why? Why is that? It's the it's the RG three thing. It, it's the whole RG3 thing. That, that, that's basically his identity uh, to a lot of fans is that uh, he was the uh, teacher's pet and RG3 was the uh, player who got screwed over because of Kirk Cousins. I think, I think that's the genesis of it. I think it's the contract. I think it's the two franchise tags and then the ridiculous deals that pays him like he's a top three, top four quarterback, and he's not, which is true. But and last night, you know, he threw it was his worst statistical game of his career. But yet his team won a game in which the only goal in the second half, you could see it with Mike Zimmer was we're not going to lose this game on offense. The other team cannot score the 17 points we've already put up, so we are going to run it three times and punt if that's what it takes, and we're going to get out of here with a win that we absolutely need. And Kirk Cousins ended up going 12 of 24 for 87 yards, threw two touchdowns in the red zone, um, but had one of his worst statistical career games and people were killing him. He threw uh, one of these ugly interceptions. But on the play, his targeted receiver was tackled. Justin Jefferson. So nobody mentions that. They just show the meme of this balloon pass that gets intercepted. But even Brian Greasy, it was funny to listen to him. He's like, well, how do you miss that? His best receiver, he's throwing to a spot, and his best receiver gets tackled. It's amazing. I, I'm done with it. Um, he's a really good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He'll never be an elite quarterback. He doesn't have the ability to play off schedule like the best quarterbacks in the league do. And he's not nearly as good as a guy like Brady or Peyton in the in the pocket. But he's a really good quarterback. And this team has lost the seven games it's lost, none of them really because of him. Almost all of them because of defense, kickers, whatever. That's just a fact this year. They, I do not think, will make the playoffs. I don't think they're good enough in their offensive line. I don't think they're good enough uh, in their defensive secondary. They would have to win two of their final three, but maybe three to get in, and they play the Rams and the Packers and the Bears again. And the Bears aren't good 
Um, but they are nasty at times on defense, um, especially Hicks, who was just unstoppable last night. Uh, that was a horrendous football game to watch. I thought the Cleveland-Vegas game was a really fun game to watch. Tonight we get two of them, but they're on simultaneously, so there's okay. no doubleheader. But, Go ahead. Uh, first of all, the, to me, the biggest story about the Vikings yeah. is Mike Zimmer's girlfriend. The Russian? Have you noticed? No, she's like, she's from Minnesota. Well, she's from us. I mean, she's from Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Her name is Katerina McKedden. Yeah, I think she's a 40 year old supermodel. Yeah, I've seen. And she's 65 year old Mike Zimmer's girlfriend. Right. I I thought she was a Russian model or something. No, no. She's done some modeling in Australia. She was on the cover of Australia's Maxim. Uh, this month. What's her last She's name? Been on. McKetton. M I K E N M I K E T I N. Okay. And I mean, you saw the, the close-ups of Mike Zimmer last night. Oh, he's not Robert Redford. Uh, no, no. And uh, every <laughs> Minnesota fan wants him out desperately for games like last night, where they just will refuse to try to do anything on offense after a while. I'm looking at the pictures of her now. She's lovely. Yeah. And, is, and how old is, is she? This is his girlfriend. She's 40, she's 40 and he's 65? Okay. Yes. All right. Well, yes. it's it's the divide by two, add seven. So um, I think that's uh, the, the rule that a lot of people use. So 32 and a half and add seven, 39 and a half, he's in good shape. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, she is, uh, as I look at her profile here, she, um, she's Yugoslavian. Or at least okay. her parents are immigrants from Yugoslavia. I, I don't okay. know why I thought Russian. I thought I guess I thought something Eastern European. Um, but she but is, you know, if, if you're Mike Zimmer, yeah, you're saying, yeah, just run the ball three times, punt, get us out of here. I need to get I got home. This girl waiting at home for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, yeah, a, for forty. Holy smokes! Yes. Apparently they met at some kind of team function. Mm-hmm. I bet they did. Yeah. Was Fred Smoot on that team function? I mean, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, no, I think it was on land. Zimmer is the fifth oldest coach in the league. I mean, who's this, 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 who's the this oldest coach me, in the league? Bruce Arians. Might be Andy Reid. I'm looking it up. Did you see Bruce? But, you know, uh, Bruce, they, they took they took Antonio Brown back, I know. and he basically told everybody to go pound sand. Um, yeah, I know. He's, he's a pathetic. Belichick sixty eight. Pete Carroll is sixty nine. That makes sense. I should have thought of Pete Carroll. Uh, Bruce Arians is sixty eight. Um, and uh, that's so. They're your oldest. And oh, David Cully, the new. They, the, I think the one-year coach in Houston um, is 65 years old. He finally got his opportunity. Zimmer is 65 as well. How yeah. old's Ron Rivera? Do you know how old Ron Rivera is? 56. I'm taking a guess. 59. I would have actually, I would have guessed that he was older than 60, just because, I mean, he played for those Bears teams in the, you know, on the 85 yeah, in Bears. The 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Youngest coach in the NFL. Is it still Sean McVay? Or is it the guy from San Diego, from the, the uh, Chargers? Yeah. Uh, 
McVe- Put your staff on it. McVeigh is 34, and Staley's 38. So McVeigh is okay. still the youngest coach in the NFL at 34 years old. And they play tonight against Seattle. I, uh, by the way, just as an aside, I like Seattle tonight. I think they're a sneaky team down the stretch. I just want to mention that now so if it works out, uh, you'll say, Sheehan, Sheehan was right about something this year. Um, <laughs> and if they if it doesn't, then we'll all forget it. But they play the Rams tonight, and then they play the Bears, Lions, and Cardinals. And the final game against the Cardinals may not mean anything. Now, if they were to go 9-8, and eight, I don't know that that would be good enough for them because they've got a bad conference record. But I, I think that all of a sudden, after our game, they turn the corner because I think their coach got healthy. Now, apparently now they have some COVID. I'm looking at this right now. They've got some COVID issues for the game. So they're one of those teams where if they had played the game on Sunday, they would have had a massive advantage. And now if it turns out that they play the game tonight and the Rams have all of their guys back and Seattle's got a bunch of guys on the list, that really is unfair but what do you do? I mean, this was a league decision based on, I really believe, safety. You and I haven't talked about it. I forgot about that because we were on together Thursday having the conversation about whether or not it would be postponed, and I thought it probably would or it should. Um, There still is no definition or no criteria on what it takes for the NFL to postpone a game. But I think it's essentially... If you're going to have to forfeit because a lot of your vaccinated players test positive, that's why they did it with the Rams, Browns, and Washington because they were on the border. They were on the verge of potentially forfeiting those games because they weren't going to have yeah. enough players, or they were going to have to. They were going to have to play with so few that it would have been unsafe. Yeah, which means those players don't get paychecks. Right. Yeah. On both on both so, sides. Yes, on both sides, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, Keys to a win over the Eagles and our predictions right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This segment of the show brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag or MyBookie.com. Got two games tonight. You got some bowl games today as well. Um, you know, you've had uh, you got today, Tommy. You've got two bowl games. One starting at three thirty in the afternoon. Kent State, Wyoming, in the famous Idaho Bowl. Uh, Wyoming's a three and a half point favorite. I kind of like Kent State. And then UTSA, who was uh, undefeated for much of the year, is a three point dog against San Diego State in tonight's Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. And then, of course, you've got the two NFL games going on. And that the lines on these two games are going to shift wildly over the next couple of hours, more likely than not. Right now, um, the, the Rams are six and a half, seven-point favorites. The Eagles are six and a half, seven-point favorites, depending on where you're looking at it. And, um, and I, you know, I think if Garrett Gilbert starts, that line goes to, like, nine. I think if Taylor Heineke or... Uh, Kyle Allen are back. I think that line drops to like five, five and a half, something really? like that. Uh, I do. Okay. That's essentially where it was before the whole COVID outbreak started. It was like four and a half, five, somewhere around there. Um, and Washington, if they get one of the two quarterbacks, they're they're almost back to full strength. And Terry McLaurin, it looks like he's going to play. You know, no McKissick, no Samuel, no Sheriff. Um, but we're used to not playing with Samuel. We're used to, over the years, not playing with Sheriff, although I think he's been pretty good this year when he's been healthy and in. Um, they miss McKissick, but they've played the last you know two and a half games without him. Uh, but anyway, go to mybookie.ag, mybookie.com. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they will double your first deposit all the way up to a thousand bucks. Double your first deposit all, all the way up to a thousand. Free money. Take it for them. It's a holiday gift. If you're out there gambling anyway and you got a site or two, take my bookies cash. Use my promo code Kevin DC. It'll help the podcast. I don't want people who don't bet to just do it if you're not comfortable doing it. But if you're already betting, take the free money. Take, you know, use it as a place where you can com- comparison shop on point spreads, etc. cetera. Uh, mybookie.ag, mybookie.com. Kevin DC is the promo code. We were just talking before we started this, and I'm like, why are we not doing this while we're recording? And so I don't even – how did we even get into this conversation? Oh, We were talking ta- about our conversation about the natural and, and Hoosiers – and your your uh, crush on Barbara Hershey. 
It w- I don't have a crush on Barbara Hershey. I just said I I've, I always okay. thought she was really good in almost everything you did. And you reminded me that she was in a movie that I don't know that we've uh, talked about the, the uh, over all these years where we've talked a lot of television and a lot of movies. But you and I both have a a you know a favorite here, and it's Tin Men. I think Tin Men Absolutely. is phenomenal, and I think the 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 back and forth between Richard Dreyfuss and Danny DeVito in so many of those scenes makes for one of the the funniest movies of all time. And Bar- Bar- Barbara Hershey plays Danny DeVito's wife in that movie. Yeah, who who Richard Dreyfuss winds up with at the end of the movie? Exactly. What a great. But, uh... There's the there's the scene at the beginning of the movie. It's pretty early in the movie where Dreyfus is selling the car to Devito, and Dreyfus is the car salesman says something like he's like, you know, how much are you willing to pay for the car? And Devito says, well, d- don't do that to me. Yeah, how much are you selling it for? And he says, well, I'm just trying to get an idea of how much you're willing to pay. And Devito says four dollars. I'm willing to pay four dollars a month for the car. The negotiation <laughs> between these two salesmen, it's just you got the aluminum siding guy and you got you got Dreyfus. It's just brilliant, the whole movie. Um, by the way, it's another Baltimore movie, you know? Yes. Yeah, well, well it's one of four Baltimore movies Din- that Barry Levitt, Diner, the Baltimore guy made. Diner, Tin Men, Avalon, and Liberty Road mm. was, was the other one. Uh, my favorite conversation in Tin Men is when they're riding in the car and one of Danny DeVito's friends starts talking about Bonanza. <laughs> and is, and yeah. he says, yeah. he says, you know, uh, I'm going to tell you something. Bonanza is not an accurate depiction of the, re- of the West. You ever see the show? It's a 50-year-old father with three 47-year-old sons. You know why they all get along so good? Because they're all the same age. <laughs> I know. Uh, and they're just they're arguing and talking about Bonanza. It was so great. So good. <laughs> oh, that movie's you so know? good. Uh, I'm looking, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, you ever hear little Joe say, hey, Hoss, I went into Virginia City and saw a girl with the greatest ass I ever saw in my life. <laughs> you just see him walking around the Ponderosa saying, yes, Pa. Yes, and pa. where's little Joe? Right. Nothing about broads. Right. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's a classic. If you've never seen Tin Man, I highly recommend it. Uh, what a great movie. Phenomenal movie. Yeah. My son asked me, um, maybe it was during Thanksgiving, he said, G- give me a movie to watch today, like uh, an old-time funny movie. And I told him Tin Men, and I and I, I threw out Diner, I threw out Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, but Tin Men, I, 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 I love that movie. It, it's a laugh out loud the entire movie. It's so brilliant. What's the other movie that I'm trying to think of with Danny DeVito and um, uh, God, why am I uh, blanking on this movie that was also very funny where they kidnap his wife? Um, oh, oh, oh! Something people with Bette Midler. Ruth- ruthless people, ruthless people. That's it. Yeah, with, yeah. Um, with Bette Midler. <laughs> Bette Midler's in it exactly. Yeah. And uh, what's his face from um, the Beverly Hills Cop movies? Um, uh, is in it too. That, the white. Yeah. I forget the guy's um, name. Judge Reinhold uh, is in it yeah. too. Uh, that's a funny movie. Not as funny as Tin Men, but that's pretty good. No. Yeah. No, that's 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 pretty good. Danny DeVito's been in a lot of good stuff. He has been. I want to pull up his thing. Uh, he was in. 
one of the all-time, I mean, he's very versatile for a guy who's real small. Yeah, tiny. I mean, he's, uh, you ever see a movie called Heat? Uh, No, Heist with Gene Hackman. No. Oh, you got to, you got to watch Heist with Gene Hackman, uh, Delroy Lind, and Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, at one point, he has this great line. He says, everybody loves money. That's why they call it money. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now, you got, you, I, I highly recommend Heist. See it once. Make sure there's another movie called Heist. Make sure you get the one with Gene Hackman. He was, um, he was in one of those movies, one of the Grisham book movies, too, with uh, Damon, um, where he was really good, where he played sort of the the attorney's uh, assistant. Um, do you know that? Yeah, I don't remember that. He mm. was in L.A. Confidential. Claire Danes is in that movie. I forget the name of the movie. It's, it's, it's a Grisham book, though. Hold on. Let me. Okay. Just, that's going to drive me nuts if I don't pull this up. I know people are out there like listening, going, they're screaming what it is. Here it is, The Rainmaker. Yeah, The Rainmaker. He was in that okay. movie. Um, with, he was uh, also in L.A. Confidential. Yes, he was in L.A. Confidential. Uh, yeah. The Rainmaker, which was, you know, I don't know, one of the five movies from Grisham Books, you know, which started with, you know, um, The Firm and then The Pelican Brief. You and I were both in Costa Rica, uh, not Costa Rica, in, um, we were, we were both in, um, Grand Cayman. in the Grand Caymans. I almost forgot where I was on my honeymoon, uh, but that's where I was in Grand Cayman as they were filming the firm at the Hyatt Grand Cayman when my wife and I were there on our honeymoon. And as you and I have, have figured out, we were both in Grand Cayman at this the exact same time. You just you weren't yes, staying we were. where I was. No, I was staying at the Holiday Inn where they filmed, <laughs> where they filmed the uh, beach bar scene. Well, the beach... They no. filmed the beach bar scene at the Holiday Inn. Which beach bar scene? The one where with... where they're where he's there with Gene Hackman and they're with the women, you know, uh, before he goes out on the beach and gets seduced. By oh, this okay, woman. yeah, early in the movie because the scene yeah, at the that, end that, at that, the pool that, that... is the, is the scene that my wife and I watched from our deck on our honeymoon. The the the, the, right. the scene at the at the at the end when what's her face Gene uh, Triple you know the, who I've never you know who's never really been in anything since along with Holly Hunter are there with Gene Hackman you know right. um, well I mean Holly Hunter sort of working behind the scenes but but Gene Triplehorn's trying you know uh, Cruz's wife is trying to seduce uh, yeah. uh, Gene Hackman I'm forgetting the names of the characters yeah. in the movie but that scene and, well, at the it, pool it, it, was. That was that was filmed during our honeymoon. We walked out onto our deck from our hotel room and watched that scene get filmed. Now we didn't know what it was. I had not read the book at that point. Um, I didn't know what movie it is. We found out sort of after the fact, and they said Cruz was in the movie. Of course, my wife immediately, even though she was on her honeymoon with her new husband, which was me, she was very interested if Tom Cruise was anywhere near, you know, nearby. But he wasn't there because he wasn't in that scene. Remember, right. he was back in Memphis, yeah, trying to figure it all yes, out. He was, you know, Mitch uh, McDear. Did I ever tell you? What? Did I ever tell you my my other story about that uh, Grand Cayman trip? Uh, who I did run into? Yes. Uh, at Hol- the same time yes. you and I were there. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. 
Give me a hint. It's not a guessing game, Kevin. It's just a chance for me to tell I want to see again. if I can remember it, and then you can tell the story. Go ahead. Tell he the story. Played, I can't remember. He played, he, he, he played tight end for Washington. See? No. You still don't know. No. I, oh, okay. oh, Gene Fugit. Uh, no. No. We're, this, is, this is 92, by the way. Well, actually, it's in February of 93, right? Or March. Tell the story. It? I forget when, it. Tell the story. I forget it. Okay. Well, well, when did you get married? 1993. Okay. So it's in 1993, and we're both there. And we're down in downtown Georgetown, the main you know area where where the business is and shops. And I'm walking through a store. I hear a voice behind me that says, "Oh, I guess you felt. I guess you wanted to take some time off too." And I turn around, and it's Terry Orr. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had just spent the season covering uh, the Redskins, covering Washington football, and I knew Terry Orr well. And uh, he he was on a cruise, and they they. They docked in, in Grand Cayman for a while, and uh, so he saw me. You know, how bizarre was that, running into him? Did he, didn't he go to jail for a while? Yeah, he got he got in some trouble. Yeah, he got in some trouble. I can't remember he what got it was. Some trouble. My last Grand Cayman story is I got, we got, I got food poisoning while I was there. Oh, that's too bad. I was pretty – and it, the reason I did was Eric Williams, who was the defensive tackle on that – Washington football team mm-hmm. told me I needed to go to this bar oh boy. that a friend of his owned in uh, Grand Cayman, who was a big uh, Washington football fan. So I did, and I had a burger there, and I got sick, oh, deathly sick. Between between near sun poisoning and food poisoning, I was in bad shape. Yeah. Okay. What else do we have? I mean, I want to get to the. They could have made a movie. They could have made a movie about my trip to Grand Cayman. Yeah, and you know what? They, oh, by the way, look at this guy. He, he's one day going to be my radio partner. I have no idea who he is, but he just came up and said he reads me all the time in the Baltimore Sun. Um, I did tell you. I, I think I've told you this story. Story about Marty Aronoff, right? No. Uh, by the way, he's healthy, right? He had that he was he collapsed during a broadcast of a Maryland football game a few weeks ago, but I think they said he was just dehydrated. Yeah, I think he was dehydrated. I think he's back working. So, I'll, I'll be brief here, but um 16, 17 years ago, whenever it was, I was on a business trip and I was at um I was in Chicago. And I was coming out of the terminal and I was walking towards the rental car um, place or walking towards the shuttle to get on the rental car shuttle. And remember that my first job for a brief period of time for like a year and a half was working at Channel 5 for Steve Buckhantz um, and Ernie Bauer as a sports producer. Well, I, you know, got to know Marty Aronoff then. It was a year and a half that I worked there, you know, maybe two years. But, you know, Marty Aronoff did the stats for all of the preseason 
Redskin games, which we broadcast and I helped produce. So I got to know Marty briefly, not for a long period of time, but everybody knew even back then, you know, he was a legendary statistician. For those of you who don't know who Marty Aronoff is, he is the legendary statistician for sports uh, on television. He was Brent Musburger's, you know, main statistician for years, and he's done, and and he's from here, lives here, but he spends probably 300 out of 365 days out of the year on the road doing games. Well, anyway, this was shortly before I re-entered kind of the world of broadcasting, which was 16, 17 years ago at this point, 2003 actually, and I ran into Marty Aronoff as I was getting onto the rental uh, car shuttle at O'Hare. And he, by the way, one of the all-time nicest people, right? And one, just one of the real great people. Um, in, in sports broadcasting, he looked at me, I looked at him and I walked over to him and I said, Kevin Sheehan, he goes, of course, Kevin, I don't think he really remembered, but he knew the face because I had worked with him, you know, um, when I was, you know, right out of college. And so we had a conversation because he was heading in the same direction. And I said, I'm going to try to get back into broadcasting. Because this was right before I was going to try to get back into broadcasting. Marty remembers the story because every time I run into him, he's like, remember when I saw you in Chicago and you told me you were going to try to get back in broadcasting? What did I tell you? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you should absolutely do it. You can do this. That's what he said to me, which was incredibly encouraging coming from somebody like Marty who knew everybody. Yeah. And he's like, and I, I think he said something like, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I'd like to do play-by-play or I'd like to do a sports talk show. And he's like, go for it. You can do this. That's what he said to me. And um, Well, you remember, you remember that story when you win your Emmy someday and you have to give a speech. I got no, okay. I've never, I've, first of all, do, are there even Emmys in radio? For radio? I don't think so. I don't think so. But Steve Buckhantz and I, in the year and a half that I worked in television after college at Channel 5, Steve Buckhantz and I got nominated together for a television Emmy. We didn't win it, but we should have. It was for a piece that we did on Little League football that um, uh, Doug, God, Doug, I'm sorry if you listen to this, Doug was... A well-known and probably still is a well-known photographer in town. Doug Wilkes, I think it was. I love Doug. Everybody loved Doug. Doug shot this little league football game with me for some reason, and we turned it into this piece that Buck Buck was a really good writer, always an excellent writer for television and for pieces like that, and it ended up being just a priceless two-minute piece that we entered into the Emmy Awards, and it got nominated. And uh, that was the only time I went to the Emmy Awards. But um, Ernie Bauer just kept winning Emmy Awards every single year. It was like any sports Emmy Award category, Ernie Bauer raked it in. But Buck and I did not win, but it was the only time I got nominated for an Emmy. Well, you know, it would have been wasted on you because you would have lost that award by now. I wouldn't have if probably, it was me, I probably wouldn't if have it was it. me, I, 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 would, I would have attached it to my belt buckle and walked around with it. That is You, you yeah. would have lost it. I, I, you know what? I, I probably wouldn't have lost it, but it would be buried in some box yeah. in an attic yeah. somewhere. No an doubt. Emmy. You would have yeah. just added it to the shrine uh, to yourself that was your office at 980. I would have. 
I would have put it on the top of my car. Tom had uh, his his office at 980 in Rockville. You walked into it. You literally thought you were going into the Hall of Tom. It was a shrine <laughs> to Tom. Um, all right. Uh, let's Speaking, get... Go ahead. Okay. One last thing. Yeah. Since, since I said I put it on the top of my car, I got a car. Oh, what'd you get? I got a 2020 uh, Subaru Outback. A Subaru Outback SUV. Oh. Yes. Okay. I like it a okay. lot. It's very nice. All right. And it's got all kinds of bells and whistles. Even the back seats are heated. Awesome. Well, you know what yeah, I would do? Nice. I would, I would make Liz chauffeur you, and you get in the back and turn those seats on in a, on a cold day. Say, <laughs> so, let's go for a ride. Crank the heated seats in the back. That's, uh, you that's know? a good idea. Yeah, and you can put your headphones on so you don't have to talk to anybody. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to our keys to the game and our final score prediction right after this from one of our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Washington beats the Eagles if. Let me go through a couple of things, Tommy. I'll add a couple of things, and then we will have, I guess, final score predictions, although it's so hard to have them right now. As we're doing this, I'm checking all of the beat people that cover the team to see if there's any breaking news. Again, the news this morning that Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen um, weren't on the team playing and aren't in Philadelphia is not really that big of a story because if they test out of COVID-19 protocol, the game's in Philly. They'll be there in 30 minutes on a private jet. Now, if the game had been on the West Coast, see here, Tommy, one of the issues 
is that you have to test at your own facilities. So it's a good thing that this game isn't, you know, a long plane ride away. Yes. Um, all right, I got a couple of things here. Uh, I, and I can't even remember if we did something similar to this on Friday, but I don't think we did. Number one is this. If you don't know this, Philadelphia is the number one rush offense in the NFL. Uh, and they're led by their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who is, you know, the couple of days probably helped Hurts get even more healthy. Now, there's some Philadelphia fans that will tell you that's not a good thing. They would prefer Gardner Minshew. I had Merrill Reese this morning on the radio show. He is such a gentleman and such a a, a legendary play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. But he said, you know, it's going to be Hurts, that he's healthy now, Um they have a true dual threat attack. Uh, they play 11 on 11 football when they're running the football because their quarterback is a potential runner on every play. The number one way Washington wins tonight is if they stop the run. They've got to tackle well, which I think they've done for the most part over the last month and a half. I think you'll see more five-man fronts like we've seen at various times this year from Jack Del Rio. You play a five-man front, you want to you, you not only want to stop the run, but you add an automatic, you know, additional pass rusher uh, even as you're playing the run. They couldn't have played a lot of five-man front three days ago because they didn't have anybody. But now they've got John Allen back. They've got Montez Sweat back. They've got Matt Ioannidis back. They've got Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams. Deron Payne was always okay. Daniel Wise. I think we're going to see a a major emphasis, and it makes sense, on stopping the run. You know, they've got to be disciplined, um, but they've got to stop the run and force Jalen Hurts to beat them with his right arm. The other uh, couple of things that I've got, because uh, that's number one. Number one rush offense, you got to stop the run. If they gash you to the tune of 225 yards, which is essentially what they've been doing here recently, going to be a long night, whether you're fully healthy at quarterback or not. Uh, Jalen Hurts puts two to three balls up in the air to be intercepted a game. I like Jalen Hurts. I know a lot of people don't think he's the answer in Philadelphia, and I'm not saying that I think he is, but I do like Jalen Hurts. There's a lot I I like about his game. I think he's a real playmaker. He's got some weapons too. Devontae Smith, I mean, Rager's had some tough moments. Goddard, and then they've got all those backs. But uh, two to three times a game, Jalen Hurts, especially when he has to throw, puts a ball up for grabs. You've got to intercept those balls. Because I think the turnover margin, as it is in most games, but tonight, you know, especially if they end up with a guy like Garrett Gilbert quarterbacking, it's going to be crucial that you end up plus two or better against Philly. That's how you—that's how you beat teams that are better than you. Always. That's what you got to do. Hurts. Yes. Hurts has to, um, you know self-inflict damage a little bit on his offensive football team. And the only way they're going to force him into throwing the football is to stop the run. But I think on those occasions, third and five, third and six, you know, he's going to put a couple of them up for grabs. And a guy like Landon Collins, or I'd love it if Cam Curl were back, or Bobby McCain or Jackson, they're going to have to pull it in and catch it. Number three. He had... He had three interceptions in his last game against the Giants. He had three interceptions in that game. The Giants were pretty good defensively in that game. 
uh, against yeah. them. Now, the, the key in that game was that the Eagles turned it over four times. He had three interceptions, and Boston Scott had a huge fumble late in the game in Giant territory in a six-point game. And by the way, the Eagles have lost two out of their last six. They've won four out of their last six. They lost at the gun to the Chargers, and they lost to the Giants 13-7. And Jalen Hurts threw two touchdown passes in the final 30 seconds of the game to Jalen Rager, and he dropped both of them. If not, they would be sitting here right now as a 7-6 and six team on the verge of essentially eliminating Washington almost mathematically. Um, but you got to pick him off because he's going to put a couple of them up there. Number three, I want to see all of their playmakers get the ball tonight. You know, um, and I'm, you know, no Curtis Samuel, no JD McKissick. But if McLaurin's in the game, the last time we saw him, really hard to get him the ball. You know, against Dallas, uh, Terry McLaurin has all of a sudden production wise, and I know he was hurt. Okay, I understand that he was hurt uh, against the Cowboys. Um, but Washington's got to be a little bit better here in getting him the ball and targeting him more often. Terry McLaurin, I'm going through his box score right now uh, just to get these number numbers right. Um, in his last, here it is. So in his last three games, um, he's been targeted just 15 times in three games. Again, I know he got hurt in the Dallas game. That was in the second half. He was targeted three times, no catches. Against Vegas, targeted just five times, three catches for 22 yards. Against Seattle, he was targeted seven times, only had four catches, yes, for 51 yards. It's been a while since McLaurin had one of their one of those games. I think Cam Sims in the red zone will be huge. And here's another guy. I want to see DeAndre Carter not only get some touches on offense since there's no Curtis Samuel, no J.D. McKissick, but I don't want to see him pass on any return opportunities. I don't want to see the kickoff land at the goal line and go through the end zone. I want to see, I want to see him take it out. I want to see him catch it a yard deep and bring it out. None of these letting these punts drop in front of them and then trying to scatter everybody away. Get up and field it at least to save field position, even if you're fair catching it. But I want to see Carter returning the ball. I asked Ron Rivera about this on Friday um, when he was on uh, when he was on with me live actually and he said Carter's been so close to breaking some returns and it seems that way to me when he's had the opportunity it seems like he's been on the verge of a couple of big ones well you can't get a big one if you don't attempt it and it seems to me that he's passed on several punt returns and several kickoff returns in the last couple of games. Lastly, this is going to have to be an Antonio Gibson game offensively. In addition to feeding your playmakers, ultimately those playmakers aren't going to get opportunities without Gibson being a big part of their offensive attack. I would not worry about the fumbling issue. I say I wouldn't worry about it. Of course I worry about it. I don't want him to fumble it. But you now have four games to try to win three of them to get to the postseason. He is your bell cow. Feed him. Feed him twenty plus times, and let's hope that he, you know, that he that he can have one of the games that he's had that he had during that win streak. You know, the game that he had against Seattle, twenty nine for one eleven. The game he had, especially in the second half against Carolina. Um, you got to feed him. He's going to have to be a big part of it. If, part of it. If you tell me right now that tonight Antonio Gibson ends up with you know, uh, 11 carries for 32 yards 
uh, they got beat badly. Badly. This has got to be a 20, 22, 24 carry plus game for Gibson because it's part and parcel to what they've done when they've won, which is run the football, stay balanced, control the football, keep it away from the other team, you know, end up with a big play disparity, 70 plays to 49 plays, big time of possession advantage. Gibson, the time about worrying about his fumbling issue and benching him for it comes maybe, you know, after they're eliminated. It doesn't come now because without him, I don't think you've got much of a chance. What do you got? Well, yeah, I mean, you hit on the one key part in the beginning is the turnovers. Uh, if, if you're playing a team where you're outmatched in a lot of ways, you, you got you got to hope for some mistakes. Uh, you pointed out that Hurts puts the ball up to be intercepted. He's got 12 interceptions this year, three of them coming in that game against the Giants. But this Washington team is near the bottom of the league when it comes to turnover differential. I mean, they're minus seven. You know, uh, they, I think they've only got eight interceptions this year as, as a team. So they're going to have to do something different, something that they haven't done this year in order to get those turnovers. Uh the other thing is that uh, you're right about the quarterback situation. The Philly Inquirer, there's a columnist who wrote a story column today that says if the, if the Eagles want to win, they need to start Gardner Minshew. Merrill Reese told me about that guy this morning. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. And yeah. I can imagine a lot of Philly fans after the Minshew game against the Jets are like, you know, yeah. I don't. I, I think Jalen Hurts has been a big part of their resurgence, so I don't know – why they would want that? He is their leading rusher on you know, and I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, um, but they they run him a lot. I mean, he has a lot of carries in these games. Some of them are scrambles, some of them are designed runs, and some of them are you know options, read options. But he's a in big six part of the of games. The e- in the six game, six of the games the Eagles have played, Hertz was the leading rusher. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny to look through his game log. I mean, he's had I mean, he's had Lamar Jackson like games as a rusher. I mean, in terms of the attempts, um, he had 18 carries for 69 yards against the Saints when they blew out the Saints. 13 carries, 55 yards against Denver in a win. 10 carries, 62 yards and a loss at the gun against the Chargers. Hopkins, by the way, um, had the game winner in that. His last game, which he played in because he didn't play against the Jets because he got hurt in this giant game, and he was compromised. You could see him. He was he was not as, he was not at full strength in the game that he threw three interceptions in. By the way, he hasn't thrown outside of that game. He really hadn't thrown a lot of interceptions. Um, but he's still against the Giants, eight carries, 77 yards. He averages 5.7 yards per carry, and he's rushed it a lot. He's, he's, there, he's got 695 yards rushing. So if he's healthy, you know, he is he's the guy that, you know, uh, and then he makes everything else go with their running back, running game, Sanders, Jordan Howard, et cetera, you know, because they're keyed in on the possibility that Hertz is going to run it too. It's the same effect that we all remember with RG3 and Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris benefited a tremendous amount by the defense not being sure as to whether or not Griffin was going to keep it and run. 
And it's the same thing with Philadelphia. You can see it. They gash people because they're not sure Hurts if he's going to keep the ball and and run it himself. So Washington being healthier defensively for tonight's game than they would have been more likely than not on Sunday is really big because this team can really gash you with the run game. I mean, like uh, before, before all the COVID and, and the whole thing, again, I thought Philly was a slightly better team. And I thought Washington was really going to be challenged by their run game. Dallas last week, Tommy, was not a very good offensive team. They were not a very good running team. They weren't a very good offensive team. They haven't been. This is actually a more dynamic offense in the moment than the one they faced last week. That seems weird because Dallas was so good offensively earlier in the year. But right now, Philadelphia's potential to rush the football down your throat is greater than Dallas's overall uh, overall performance anyway. Something's wrong with their quarterback. He's just not right right now. Um, I- I'm getting myself worked up about this game. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday night football. And of it's, course, and, and it's Tuesday a, night football. Yeah, and it's a massive game. All right, who do you like? What's your final score prediction? I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's pick a final score if Garrett Gilbert starts. And let's pick a final score if one of the other two starts. So if Garrett Gilbert is your starting quarterback, what's the final score? Uh, the Eagles win 45 to 13. 45 to 13. Wow. Right. Um, if Garrett Gilbert starts, Washington loses 37 to 16. All right. If Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke start the game, what's the final score? The Eagles win 31-16. Ooh. So you really like down. the Eagles. Because if they have one of the quarterbacks back, yeah. they're almost at full strength. It's it's a beatdown. I got the Eagles in a closer game, 24-20, to if Allen were Heineke. Should we have separated Allen and Heineke for our final score predictions? I don't, it wouldn't change my score. It wouldn't change mine either. 24-20 yeah. Philadelphia if either Allen or Heineke start the game, um, a thrashing if they don't. But a winnable game if they do. And if yes, they it win, is. It's a winnable game. And if they win it, um, then they are back in as the seven seed. They would trump Minnesota for the seven seed if Washington wins because they've got the conference record. That's really going to be a big determinant when they get there, if they can get to nine wins and nobody's got 10 for that last spot, Minnesota doesn't, New Orleans doesn't, Philadelphia does Well, if Washington gets to nine, Philadelphia um, isn't going to have 10 wins. Um, but uh, Washington's conference record would be the key, as long as they're not in a two-team tiebreaker with New Orleans, which they, of course, would lose. Man, that New Orleans-Miami game on Monday night has become massive, including for the Dolphins in the AFC where they've won six games in a row, and the Dolphins are sitting there just a game out of the postseason, um, which is crazy. Their defense is pretty nasty. Um, okay, that's it for the day. What I else got you got? I got one other thing. Okay. Uh, Mitch Titchler from uh, NBC Sports Washington has tweeted out a picture of Washington football team benches that were brought to Philadelphia for Washington to sit on uh, on the away field like like the Cowboys did 
uh, last week at FedEx Field. Uh, apparently, this is going to be a thing. Uh, he reported that they're planning to use them for the rest of the season in Philly, in Dallas, and in New York. Okay. Um, this is kind of a petty little thing, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, if it... Jerry did it. Jerry did it. So now we got to do it. That's what they're saying. I don't. I maybe, mean, if Jerry maybe, didn't do maybe, it, maybe it they wouldn't have occurred to them. No, maybe they just like the idea. I mean, hell, you're great at stealing ideas all the time. Well, let them do it. You know what I forgot to ask I you about? I wouldn't steal an idea from Jerry Jones. Oh, you know, go ahead. Um, I forgot to ask you about the story in the Post about Northern Virginia and the Washington football team talking stadium. Yes. What do you want to ask me? Well, I just did kind of ask you. I know it wasn't in the form okay. of a question, but, you know. Well, you saw, did you see the picture I tweeted out? I didn't. Sorry. A picture of Jack Kent Cook standing next to Doug Wilder as oh, they yeah. announced plans for a, a Virginia stadium in 1992. So I, I, I think that that's, that says it all. It, it look, <clears throat> it does. These, these, things, these things don't get done in Virginia. These kind of projects never happen in the state of Virginia. And a project this massive, absolutely not. Not even close. That's the one, one of many factors involved here. I'm the gl- second is <clears throat> yeah. the Redskins, the Washington has, I'm thinking, no matter who the governor is, at this point, doesn't have a whole lot of political capital in, in the state of Virginia. Uh, I got to think the Allen family, which still may have some political clout in the state, it's not going to be on the side of a new stadium. For Washington football, okay? And they might still have some friends in high places in the government. Plus, there's the track record of the money that's been wasted in Richmond, the city of Richmond, on the Washington training camp there. Finally, again, my contention is they leave Maryland, they'll just raise the white flag and put up a Ravens flag right next to it because this will become Ravens country. You know, that part of it um, didn't occur to me. What did occur to me is that a lot of their season ticket base that they have left, which is minimal, is Maryland-based, is uh, Prince George's County-based. And so they would lose a lot of season ticket holders by going, you know, to the bowels of Virginia. Um, uh, But um, I hear what you're saying. It actually makes me happy that you're saying that. I just don't think that anybody wants to deal with them if Virginia doesn't deal with them. It's almost like they're no. going to the one place that'll actually talk to them. Yeah, I know that. But but again, who's talking to them? A bunch of legislators in Prince William and, and Loudoun County. Right. You know, a bunch of hayseeds. Come on. <laughs> easy. We got uh, easy there. Mr. <laughs> Rural yourself. Um <laughs> Living in Frederick. Uh, all right. Um, this was fun. I'll be back tomorrow with a recap of the game. Tommy, are we going to be together on Thursday? We will be, right? Or are you traveling that yeah, day? I'm, I'm with, no, I'm with you. Um, and I will, give every, I will give everybody a heads up. There won't be a show on Christmas Eve on Friday this week. Uh, we're done. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and the game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.